how should I pay for my kid's college? Should I give, you know, my kids down payment for a house? You know, do I have $25,000 to pull out for, uh, you know, a wedding for, for one of my kids? So, yeah, I thought it was a, an important way to kind of mention that you need to have a plan for all of this stuff. And what I see a lot is people prioritize some of this stuff above their own retirement planning. And we need to make sure that we have the retirement plan in place before we start, you know, passing out money to 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 the kids. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for today's episode of The Capitalist Investor. You've got Mark, Derek and Luke today. Hey, Mark, how's it going, man? What's up? I'm good. How are you? Living the dream like I do every day. So I walk in uh, every day. Derek's office <laughs> is right by mine. And right when I walk in, I always say, Derek, how you doing? It's always living the dream. And <laughs> living the dream, I, baby. He asks me how I'm doing, and I say right back, living the dream. Living yep. the dream, baby. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Love it. It's the only way to live life, man. Yep. Got to live live the dream with no regrets. Well, that's true. Right. It's, you know? What is it? Ragrats? Whatever they say nowadays. I don't know. It's like a Gen Z thing. I what think. is yeah. it? I'm know. too old for that. Regrets? Yeah, regrets? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, well, maybe, was, maybe I'm disconnected well, now. Yeah, there was that uh, We Are the Millers. Have yeah. you guys seen that movie? I with think Jennifer I Aniston did. Jennifer Aniston and oh, Jason yeah. Sudeikis. It's been years, though. The punk kid who's dating the, the daughter, he got a no regrets tattoo. Oh, uh, that's what it was. Misspelled, <laughs> right? And, and Jason Sudeikis is like, you, ha- you have no regrets at all? Like, not even <laughs> one letter? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's where that, I'm pretty sure that's, that's what you're talking about, and yeah. that's where that came yeah. from. All right, so what have we got lined up for today to talk about? Luke shot over three topics. So getting rich quick versus getting rich slow. I think we all want to get rich quick, but I mm-hmm. think we have to we have to be mindful that mm-hmm. it's not always possible. Uh, second one, getting married is more expensive than buying a home. I really expected that to say getting divorced is more expensive. Because <laughs> <laughs> you always hear that one. That's, that's probably the, true. That's probably the most expensive out yeah, of buying exactly. a house and getting married. Exactly. And then the third thing, the Santa's campaign is selling Escape to Florida t-shirts. I like it. I think I saw a couple months ago a Make, a, make America Florida hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like the MAGA hats, Make America Great Again, Make America Florida. He should be selling those. I mean, we've recently seen AOC and who was the guy who farted on camera? <laughs> oh, Stalwell. Swalwell. Swalwell, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. You guys have it seen could, that video, any. right? The the night vision of the fart. Have you seen that one? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> so you just I'll see it, like, you see like up. a poof come out? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's funny. We'll have to link it, it somehow. Luke, you haven't seen the video? I have it. He literally stops talking, grunts the fart out, and then <laughs> continues talking. Oh my gosh. It's it's brutal. It's that's, brutal. That's awesome. But, you know, that guy's kind of been a mockery yeah. in in multiple different categories. Yeah, he slept with a Chinese spy and he's still <laughs> farts on camera. I mean, he's partying <laughs> hey, down hey, in Florida guys, with no guys, mask. He's living the dream. <laughs> living the that dream. really is living the no dream. Regerts. No regrets. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with getting rich quick versus getting rich slow. Where do you guys want to start there? Well, you know, I think, you know, Luke, like Luke just mentioned, our offices are close. So. We're just kicking around topics and our boy, Tony, he's always peeking his head in my office talking about NFTs and things like that. Hate him. <laughs> hate him. Yep. I hate NFTs and Tony. I'm there with you on the first one. On the second. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, we're talking about how, you know, specifically this one thing called the Board Ape Yacht Club. So the Board Ape, Ape Yacht Club. Easy for me to say. So these are essentially and we talked about them and, and on Tony's podcast you know, three, four months ago, but, you know, essentially 10,000 
JPEGs, right? They release them, but it's really kind of your ticket into the club as well. And it's become the cool thing to do. And these things are selling for essentially $230,000 right now, the minimum. They have, I've seen many of them go for well above a million dollars. I think the biggest one I I, I saw recently was essentially a $4 million sale. But let me ask you, Derek, how how (laughs) risky are NFTs? I mean, there it's as risky as it comes. It is, it is a complete shit show out there. And that's I know what, I said that last week, and we haven't really sworn, but that is the only term I can use to describe it. Right, <laughs> I'd have to agree. And and I think that's what getting rich quick and getting rich slow is all about, right? When you are trying to get rich quick, you're taking on a ton of risk. It's all it's, mathematics, it's speculation, right? right? Right. These are all highly speculative get rich quick schemes. Now, when right? you invest to get rich quick, you can also lose all of your principal very quick quickly, right? Well. So like yeah. options trading, mm-hmm. like a ton of people got into trading stocks over the past year and a half, like the Gen Z crowd, the younger crowd with Robinhood, they're trading options too, right? So options are one of those things. They're trying to get rich quick. They're trying to turn 10K into like 2 million, like overnight. Right? And options are so much more difficult to figure out than stocks because there's there are more factors that control the value of the option, such as volatility, time frame. Like, you know, if you own an option, a call option on a stock, and the stock price goes up yeah. over the course of 24 hours, you would expect that the option would go up in value too, but it doesn't always work that well, it's way. It's funny. I bought, so I bought puts on GameStop. Like at $200, like when it was first skyrocketing, right? (laughs) And the puts, you know, when they're supposed to pay out when it goes down, for those of you that don't know options, right? GameStop went from like 200 bucks up to like 250, but my puts went up 50% because of volatility, right? Volatility, there's probably more demand, people trying to buy them. Yeah, exactly. It's very strange. It's counterintuitive. That's a perfect description. Right. Yeah. Yep. But but that's the, the environment we're in. People think, you know, it's, you know, they can get rich quick by doing this stuff. And it's possible. Like you hear the stories of people turning 10K into $5 million. Like you hear those stories. Yeah. But you don't hear the stories about the people that lose all their principal. <laughs> we do, though. We do. We yeah. talk to those people. Yep. For sure. Right. I mean, we mm-hmm. talk with when they're prospective clients, we are talking to them and they, they yeah. tell us they're. Their disastrous story of, you know, I had uh, three million bucks and now it's down to a million. I guess I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, (laughs) help me out or whatever the numbers are. Right. So we talked NFTs. I mean, crypto obviously fits into this category, right? It's highly speculative. Could 10x. It could also, you know, get cut in half pretty quickly. Right. I want to talk very briefly about ARK, Kathy Wood's firm. Mm Mm-hmm. The ARKK ETF in particular, the ARK Innovation ETF, that thing after a tremendous, I think it was 2020 mm-hmm. and, and came out of the gates hot in 2021, it's down almost 50% from its peak in 2021. And this is maybe February, March. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't, I don't, I don't want to disrespect her, but she may be a flash in the pan. Let's mm-hmm. just cut to the chase yeah. and call a spade a spade. She happened to, in my opinion, she was in the right place at the right time at a time when valuations didn't matter. It was, everything was trading on hope and hype and it worked for her. And she grew her firm from 3 billion in assets to 50 billion. Yeah. I don't know what it's at today. It might be down to 30, 40 billion. And she didn't grow it because of performance. Right. She grew it because of fund flows coming in. Yep. People wanted to buy the ETF. And that ended up attracting every Tom, Dick, and Harry owned RIA, 
like us, every wealth management shop has their own ETF now. <laughs> Some, you know, cockamamie thematic strategy, right? So you, you've taken ETFs, which were, were really meant to kind of simplify things for investors. Right. And you've muddied up the waters, right? So even ETFs, which are supposed to be lower risk, there's a number of those, right. you know, robots who uh, who do surgery on your behalf, ETF. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's it's crazy, man. Like, yep. But even those are speculative, yep. right? And, and a lot of people go into those and Bitcoin and crypto and NFTs thinking that they are going to get rich quick. But, right. you know, I think at the end of the day, I think we would all agree on this. It's okay to own any of those things in the right amount. Yeah. Like you got to have a core to your strategy right. that gives you the permission slip to act like a fool with five or 10% of your money. You and know, that leads into leverage and margin because there's tools out there that you can utilize that can benefit your portfolio, right? Yeah. It's just a lot of people don't use them in the right way, which you're kind of referring to, Mark, right? Yep. So, like leverage and margin, like, you know, lines of credit, even like there, there comes a point where you can utilize these things on a large, larger portfolio. And when things, you know, get low, sell off, you can use that margin uh, to, to buy low, right? And things like that. Utilize a portfolio in, in the right way. Yeah. But a lot of people are borrowing money they don't have. Like, you hear the Robin Hood stories about people who have five thousand dollars in account, but they're trading it like they have a hundred thousand, right? Yeah. yeah. And then they they owe all of a sudden the money gets wiped <laughs> out and they owe like a hundred grand that they don't have. Yeah. So I mean, that's just mm-hmm. examples that you have all these tools out there. If you use them in the right way, you can make you know getting rich quicker. You can get rich quicker, but you know getting rich you know you know too quick means you're probably taking on too much risk. It, I think the key is get rich smart. Yes. Right. Like be mm-hmm. smart about how you're getting rich. You can right. you can have your foot on the gas, but you have to be prepared to take it off the gas and put it on the brake. Right. You know, you can't just, you know, put the pedal to the floor and, and continue to go. One other thing I want to mention here before we move on to the next topic, I think this also kind of brings to light the fact that whatever got you here may not get you there. Right. And all the stocks that worked in 2020 and 2021, those stocks are no longer working, right? 2020 and 2021 were a year where the, the headline story was about a consumer who was flush with cash and the consumer could only spend the cash on goods, not services, because services were closed. Mm-hmm. Restaurants, Disney World, mm-hmm. right? It was all closed. So it was all about consumers being flush with cash. Now we're entering a period of rising interest rates. We're entering a period where consumers are no longer flush with cash because the inflation rate exceeds the wage growth rate. And I think we're entering a, an era, at least over the next 12 to 24 months, whereby the, the major storyline is going to be the more discerning, price-conscious consumer, mm-hmm. right? So all this stuff where valuation didn't matter, that's not working. Valuations matter again. Investors are going to want to see cash flow. And the the thing about that is all of these newbie investors who came, you know, kind of came out of the woodwork in 2020 and 2021, they weren't doing valuation work before they bought a stock. They read about a stock somewhere, they bought into the narrative or the story behind the stock, they bought it and they it doubled. And they, they made money and they're very fortunate for, for doing it that way. This is kind of a come to Jesus moment for all of those investors that now it's time for you to do your homework too. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. You know, I think that Kathy Woods example is, is, is really great because that, that is a precise example of that's not really what these ETFs are supposed to do, right? They were kind of created out of, you know, mutual funds and, and really, you know, passive the, ETFs, mm, tax efficient. Exactly. And now while they may be passive and managed with a formula yeah. as mm. opposed to a human being, they're getting niche. Yep. Absolutely. But that being said, also over the past two years, those that just got started investing in their trading careers, you know, they, they've now learned, you know, how the market can come back on them, right? So they, you lose 50% of your portfolio, you get humbled, right? So these are learning opportunities. I think it's a good thing, right? I agree. Unless you're not losing all of your money, like your, your life savings, and you're not taking on too much risk. Like, yeah, it's okay to get humbled sometimes. That's I, how you learn. Right? I agree. Yep. I'll tell you, man. I, so I, I posted a, a comment on Twitter a few days ago about um, how as investors, we all make mistakes. Every single one of us Everyone who's listening, we've all bought stocks whereby the price went backwards on us. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the company's a bad company. Maybe we bought at the wrong time. Maybe the stock just kind of broke down technically. We've all made mistakes, right? As a firm, when we identify a new opportunity that we want to invest in, and our end goal is to own that position at, let's say, 3% of the portfolio, we leg in. We'll start with a 1% position and we'll eventually add another one and then another one. And someone commented on Twitter the other day, well, every stock we own has a price target higher than where we bought it. So why wouldn't you just put it all in on day one? I'm like, bro, uh, risk management 101? <laughs> like you're going to give up. You may give up a little. And and are you really buying stocks with a price target lower than where you're buying them? If <laughs> well, you are, I don't. you shouldn't well, have any clients. Well, you, you should though. Although you should have a price target that you're going to get out. Right. So you have both sides. That's the risk management component you're you're referring to. Right. You have a target below to where you want to add the extra one percent. Right. And that's kind of where the true risk risk management comes in, because you got to have a target on both sides. Now, I get what you're saying. Like, obviously, you don't want to have a price target that you're willing to sell for, you know, stock at lower. But what I'm saying is, is you know, if the stock's 10 bucks and this guy's saying all of our stocks have 18 (laughs) dollar price targets, whereby. JP Morgan thinks it's going to go up 80% over the next year. My response to that is, are you buying any stocks that are trading at 10 where JP Morgan says it's only worth five? Right. Right. Exactly. If you are, you don't have any clients anymore. Now, that, now one thing, his comment that you're referring to on Twitter, that scares me, though, because if he doesn't, he probably doesn't have a price target below. He probably doesn't have anything where he's going to get out of the positions. So if he's got a stock trading at 10, he thinks he's going to go to 18, it gets cut in half. He's going to be like, I'm going to hold them. Wait till right. it gets to 18. So, all right. So I'm going to pivot real quickly to wrap this one up and we're going to move on. But that, that again, kind of zeroes in on our major value prop as a firm. We've got five CFAs on the team. Like we're not just, I'm a CFP, right? So I'm, I'm like your, your family physician. Like I know a lot about a lot, enough to be dangerous in every category, but I am by no means an expert in dissecting financial statements to identify the discounted cash flow valuation. Right? Mm-hmm. That's just it never interested me and it's, me it's, I'm not an expert <laughs> at it. So, But we have people in place, five CFAs who are just investment gurus, the money we invest into all the Bloomberg terminals and technology, the research that we have. We have a very disciplined process when it comes to selecting stocks, exiting stocks in our strategy. But there's a lot of wealth management firms out there who may 
and, and there was a, a firm that we were looking to potentially buy down in Florida where he had two positions, Apple and Amazon, that I think made up like 20% of the portfolio. And Amazon has done nothing, yeah. right? He was a marketer. You know, he's, he was not a stock guru. He, right. was not tr- he was not on 500 earnings calls a quarter. <laughs> right. and, and for the listeners out there, there are a lot of firms out there that are going to pretend like they're doing all this work and they're going to put you in some stocks and they're, they're really not doing what they should be doing, right? Right. So, all right, let's move on. Let's talk about uh, getting married, divorced, and buying houses. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw this one. I thought it was it was kind of funny, but, you know, essentially an article, I believe, was on Fox Business that said there are 10 cities out there with a higher wedding cost than a 13% down payment on a house in that town. So I'll just run through the list real quick. So it was uh, Birmingham, New York. Number two, I thought was very interesting because it's uh, right around the corner. Youngstown, Warren, Boardman. Um, I've actually been to several weddings in that area. My wife's side of the family is from over the border in Pennsylvania. Erie, PA, Peoria, Illinois, Syracuse, Rochester, lots of New York on here. Rockford, Illinois, and here's the one I wanted to get to, Buffalo slash Cheetuaga. That's where wow, I am said from. That perfect. Well, I used oh, to you're from there. there. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay. Yep. Um, and the other one I saw was the Davenport, Rock Island. So that is the the Quad Cities. My sister, when she graduated, went into the uh, the news business, and that was where she got her first job there. Um, so I thought that was pretty funny. I've actually had some some good points, some good times in in Rock Island, Illinois. Nice and York, Hanover, PA. So, you know, I saw this one. I thought it was I thought it was a pretty you know interesting take. Whenever I see anything like this, it always reminds me of a lot of planning issues, a lot of planning questions that I would get. You know, specifically on how should I pay for my kids' college? Should I give you know my kids down payment for a house? You know, do I have twenty five thousand dollars to pull out for, uh, you know, a wedding for for one of my kids? So, yeah, I thought it was a an important way to kind of mention that you need to have a plan for all of this stuff. And what I see a lot is people prioritize some of this stuff above their own retirement planning, and we need to make sure that we have the retirement plan in place before we start you know, passing out money to, to, to the kids and, yeah. and, and having that huge wedding. So that kind of reminded me of that to you know make sure we have, again, kind of like we talked about in, in the first topic, make sure you have your, your buckets of money, as we say, make sure they're all properly allocated. So, so you can pay for, you know, these, these weddings and, and some other things for, for your kids. So, but real quick, my main takeaway, as I look through these 10 cities or, urban areas, whatever you want to call them. Number two and three. So the Youngstown, Warren, Boardman area in Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm not familiar with the rest of them. I would guess that an average wedding costs more than a 13% down payment because the homes are very inexpensive in yep. those locations. Yeah, so, and again, I, I don't know what home prices are in Syracuse or Rochester or Buffalo, but it may, it may be the same case there, right? Mm-hmm. Where homes are very affordable, or even lower priced, however you want to call it. And weddings, uh, weddings don't fluctuate. They're expensive no matter where you live. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not married, so I can ask you guys this. So what's the better investment, buying a house or getting married? 
I can't answer. Better that. be careful. I, can't, answer, can't answer that on the record. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gonna plead the fifth. I'm sorry. Yeah. I had to. I had to say that. On, I had to. I'm gonna. Put, you put me on the spot. Plead the fifth. Yeah, be hiding under the table. <laughs> I, th- I think the divorce is more expensive than buying a house. Right, kind of yeah. summarized. Yeah, all yeah. Of our, no, all yeah, of yeah absolutely. There. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to Ron DeSantis. I love this guy. Yeah. Right. So he's kind of poking fun at AOC and Swalwell and and all. All of these talk out of both sides of their mouth, hypocritical, progressive politicians that are vacationing in Florida without masks, going to drag shows. Everyone goes to drag shows without masks, right? (laughs) You know, hanging out inside, indoors in Florida and doing the exact opposite of what they're advocating for in their own cities and states. And I think it just brings to light the hypocrisy of these individuals because AOC has been one of the most outspoken people. She's so critical of the way a state like Florida runs. And and how can you be so critical pointing fingers and then go down there and live life the way they're living it and then go back into your, you sit in your throne and point fingers again. That, that's crazy. Well, she's going to be the biggest hypocrite out there because first of all, you know, she's, she's targeting these corporations and the rich and she's basically trying to like tax, I think like the, you know, top percent, like 90%, something crazy. Right. And she's getting rich by being so popular. Like she's going to be rich because yeah. of, you know, after she gets out of office, she's got all these followers. She's going to be able to do all these branding and stuff. She's going to be the biggest hypocrite out there over the next decade, yeah. two, two decades. Yep. So this doesn't surprise me at all. Like <laughs> that she's down in Florida living the living life because her state up there is completely shut down and and not operating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the thing that really grinds my gears. It, it's, Obviously, you know, she's definitely a hypocrite, but what it really shows you is, you know, what she says is not what she actually believes. You know, she, if it's, so why would anyone listen to her? Exactly. Exactly. So if it's too dangerous in, in Brooklyn to eat in a a restaurant without a mask and a vaccine passport, why is it okay for you to eat restaurant, eat at a restaurant in Florida (laughs) without a mask and a vaccine? Yeah. Florida doesn't get COVID. (laughs) It turns out she actually probably got it when she was there. Yeah. And you've seen plenty of prominent politicians. The guy from California, uh, Gavin Newsom, you know, he was one of the original ones putting through these strict lockdown rules and then, you know, basically renting out someplace for for a party with, you know, it was hundreds of people, I believe. And the thing that really makes me mad (laughs) if we're if I'm just ranting here is that all these people in the pictures they're they're not wearing masks but all of the you know attendants servants whatever you want to call them they're all masked and it's it's like there's a a natural class divide right where you know the the people working are the ones wearing the mask and and you know we the politicians we we can we don't need to wear a mask because we're above that. Well, my favorite thing is the back of the shirt say we don't blame you. We like freedom too. <laughs> and I I'm going to take a stance on this. Like over the past year and a half, right wing Republican conservatives, libertarians, they stood up for freedom, not locking down, making sure that people have the right to choose. You know, the left has completely done the opposite, yep. locking down, mandating things. Like if it, if you got to ask yourself, you know, where is freedom going? Then you have to understand that, you know, these, these politicians they're really um, mandating and, and, and changing what freedom means. 
And I think it's important if we don't really address this soon, you know, freedom could be taken away. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a dark path we're headed down. It's very, very, very scary. So here, here's my question on, on this whole escape the Florida t-shirt thing, AOC, Swalwell, all of these progressive politicians who are straight up hypocrites. They're probably all back home right now. AOC's recovering from COVID that she got while she was partying, <laughs> right? Does this dilute the progressive agenda? Does it dilute the credibility of the progressive agenda? Or are they still going to, or are their ridiculous progressive antics still going to carry weight? Well, if you ask us, obviously it does. But the problem is most people will just identify with some party or some person just because they hate the other party or other person so much. Yeah. That's the environment we're in. So yeah. no matter if it does dilute it, there's still going to be a ton of followers. Sadly, mm-hmm. that's that's the world we live in. Speaking of which, obviously we know President Biden's approval rating is abysmal. And Kamala Harris's is even worse. I think every time we do a podcast, it drops like 1%. I think it does. It's all because of us. (laughs) (laughs) Now Hillary Clinton's talking about running again. Oh, God. I saw that. (laughs) Man. Can you imagine having to live through another Hillary Trump (laughs) election cycle? (laughs) It might happen. (laughs) You you belong in jail. Is that what he's going to do? I'll put you in prison or something like that? That's hilarious. Um, Anything else we want to touch on, guys? I did have one more thing, and I completely forgot about it. So I guess we won't talk about it. All right, everyone. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Any questions, shoot them to info at swpconnect.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We are growing our listenership, which is awesome. Very, very cool. We appreciate all of you listening week after week after week. Again, tune in next week. We'll talk to you then. The opinions expressed in the podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any investment, legal, financial, or tax strategy. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. Please consult a qualified professional about your individual needs.